Did we start the countdown already? Okay. <laughs> this episode of Taking It to the House was brought to you by EBH Fitness Studios. It's a way of life. Dr. Steve Victor Herbin III, and I'm taking it to the house. And I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover, and I'm taking it to the house. I'm Dr. Jania Hoover, and what I'm taking to the house is the Falcons do not need to take an offensive player with their first round pick. Yes, I know it's the number four pick. Yes, I know that that's the spot where that can be your franchise player, but the Falcons can win as their team is presently constructed. Scoring points isn't their issue. Their issue is stopping the other team from scoring points. They had some of the most horrific losses last year that came after they had built significant leads and the defense just couldn't stop the other team from scoring. So I'm saying it right now. I do not want the Falcons to take a quarterback. I do not want them to take Kyle Pitts. That is not the issue. Um, And they definitely don't need to trade Julio Jones. That's my burn. I do not want the Falcons to pick up anyone on offense or to trade Julio Jones. Victor, what you got? I'm burning, sis. Look, I didn't know he was going to come out that hot. Hey, look, I'm just only thing I have to say, I'm 20 miles away from D.C. My Lakers are in town, and I'm not there. Need I say more? Unk, it's on you. I'm still I'm still burning off of that. Golly. <laughs> she laid it out there for the Falcons. Do not, do not cross my niece, okay? Do not, Falcons. All right. My opening burn, I just want to remind everybody about the power of the vote. There's voting going on in your county, your municipalities, your cities, okay? And so please get out there. There are some things that are going to affect you the next two to four years that you need to get out and vote. So the power of the vote is mighty. Please, I'm here to remind you, get out and vote. That's my opening take. Nice. We can all use that civic reminder. I just checked my um, sample ballot online this morning. So Yes, I have a couple of school board members to vote for and a couple of propositions for um, for my city. So, yes, be aware, jump in, stay involved. Um, that's how you make your voice heard. Switching gears back to the draft, back to the NFL. I said my piece about my squad. So I want to know, Unc. Where where are you? What are you thinking? Is there anything that's surprising you? Any questions that you have? What do you think? Um, most of you know I don't have an NFL team per se, but I keep my my ear close to the ground. Today, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just re-signed Antonio Brown for another year, about a $6 million deal. They pretty much brought their whole team back. So what they do through the draft, they don't need anybody else. Super Bowl champs, they want to run it back. But because I'm here in San Antonio, we get every Cowboy game. And what do the Cowboys need? Well, the Cowboys need a healthy O-line and a, 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 stop, a, a defensive stopper, meaning a cornerback or 
safety. They need interceptions. They were so low with their interceptions that they just need to shore up on their defensive end side. So I talked about it before. You need a a, a rush in, steady linebacker, and you got to have that shutdown corner. And so they need those things in particular. But who knows what Jerry Jones is going to do? And Vic, I know you're a Ravens fan. I wanted to hear your take on what the Ravens may need or what are you thinking about the draft coming up tomorrow? Yes, diehard Ravens fan. Uh, for the previous 20 years, Ozzy Newsom has been our guy, and he's always made tremendous picks. And of course, last year he retired, passing the reins off. And Eric DaCosta, I trust. I never had to wonder what direction uh, the Ravens would go. However, this last offseason, we did make a lot of trades. It's not, un it's not uncustomary for that to occur. But what do we need? We need a wide receiver. I love having Hollywood Brown. However, the league is starting to catch up with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson starting to get old in NFL years. There's only so many more years and so many more runs he can make out of the pocket. He needs to have those uh, diverse options. Offseason, we traded Mark Ingram, which I did love. I enjoyed his energy, and we're passing the baton to J.K. Dobbins, who came out of Ohio State. But we need another threat. Tight ends have always been great for Lamar Jackson. Running backs are now great. But having another deep threat or another possession receiver that can really help uh, uh, prevent stacking the box against uh, Lamar Jackson probably will help open up the offense a little more. Again, within the last three years, uh, defense is starting to catch up. And if we're going to compete against the Kansas City Chiefs, if we're going to compete against even the Tennessee Titans, we need to start making sure we have a better offensive explosion. Uh, defensively, we've always been a great team. That's what we get our that's, – that's who we are. So I'm not too concerned on the defensive side. It's more on the offensive side. Can we score the points if we had to have that shootout with Kansas City Chiefs? That's who we're competing against. And because the way Buffalo Bills ended their season – both ended our season, the Ravens season, as well as ended the season on a high note. But speaking of the Buffalo Bills, that's another threat that's up and coming. So unless we find ways offensively to compete against those teams, we're going to be in a challenge this next year. So I, I look forward to what we do in the in the um, in the draft tomorrow. But I definitely think a, a wide receiver assistance uh, would definitely be a, a value, or even making a trade for for a seasoned vet. I have no problem with that. I got a question for you, uh, Vic. And there's some talk out there about uh, Lamar has reached his ceiling. And some people even said, let him graduate using the four-year college term. After four years, which is about now, let him go. Bring in another quarterback. Have you heard that? And what do you think about that? Some That's the word on national media. You hear that. Uh, and so I just wanted to hear your take as a, as a staunch uh, Ravens fan. They could shut that word down. Out here on the East Coast in the DMV area, we're about to exercise that fifth-year option on Lamar. That's what I'm hearing over here. So I think it's a – unless you're dealing with a team or an organization that, that, is, that is used to having that revolving door at quarterback and the quarterback even not being developed or the quarterback sucks, you leave the quarterback alone. Uh, over the last three years, Lamar Jackson has gotten the team better. He has grown. I mean, the guy is only two years removed from winning the MVP. So the, so the next logical step is winning playoff games and winning a Super Bowl. Uh, no one's talking about Baker Mayfield and how many years he had two years ahead of um, 
of Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm looking at the AFC North. Ben Roethlisberger's on his way out. He's on the last couple of years. He's aging. You have Joe Burrow, uh, you know, go go Tigers. Uh, he's going to be coming off this, this uh, offseason injury, and this is going to be his second year. Baker Mayfield just finally made it to the playoffs. So at the end of the day, still Lamar Jackson's and the Baltimore Ravens division to lose. So hearing that they feel that he may have missed the ceiling, I am critical of those pundits. Why? Is it because he's a black quarterback and I think he missed the ceiling? He's still a great pocket passer. He's still a great runner. So to hear that, uh, uh, that disturbs me because, again, he's in four years and he's starting to, I think he's still defining himself. Um, so until he does not make the playoffs, until he has a an abysmal season, what are we talking about? And don't forget who he replaced. Joe Flacco, we rode the <laughs> we rode that horse for a very long time. So I, I don't I don't want to hear that. This he's one of the best quarterbacks Baltimore Ravens has had uh since its uh since its inception. So I I I'd hate to hear that. I hate to hear there's even a glimmer of, of traction to that. But what I'm hearing, that's that's not the case. I got a question for the two of you, and it's regarding Justin Fields. Since we're still talking about the draft and black quarterback, but uh, quarterback for the the Ohio State Buckeyes, and so what do you guys think of his chances or his odds of making it? Will he come in as a quarterback? Will somebody draft him as a first round pick? So there's been some some doubt on his ability. What they have discovered, he has epilepsy. Have you guys heard that? So now they're using that against him when it hasn't been a problem his whole time in Ohio State. So uh, is it because he's a black quarterback? Is it because he's at Ohio State they're downgrading his ability? Or is it his ability in general? What, do you, what are your thoughts or take on uh, Justin Fields? I think it goes, Victor, you hit the nail on the head just in terms of, you know, you always have to consider that that is in in the background because it is. And we're seeing that in so many aspects of our society where no matter how smart you are, no matter how much money you have, no matter where you live, uh, people that are black have more negative outcomes. So when you're talking about a Justin Fields, um, the fact that he is Black absolutely is exacerbating whatever these other concerns and issues are. Because just two short months ago, he was the next big thing. And we just always have to understand, not using that as an excuse. That's something that I'll get a lot. Oh, you're making it a race thing. And it's not all about race. It's not about race unless it is about race. And when it comes to sports and specifically football as it relates to the quarterback position, as it relates to head coaching, general manager roles, ownership roles, anything that is perceived to be requiring more intelligence, more intellectual capabilities, more often than not, those people that are Black have a much, much shorter leash. And to me, this is just an example of, of George, uh, George, Justin Fields uh, exemplifying that. What do you think, Victor? I agree. I think it's unfortunate. Didn't Justin Fields lead Ohio State to national championship game against Alabama? If that's the case, didn't he have epilepsy then? Didn't he have epilepsy the year prior? Didn't he have epilepsy when Ohio State drafted him out of high school? If that's the case, then what's the issue now? Uh to me, it seems like they will find everything they can to either, A, 
drop his draft stock so other teams who are really looking for him will pick him up. So I don't know if some of this is showmanship, the game within the game of drafting. But I think to even uh, denigrate his character, question his health standards, I think that's sloppy. I think that's unfair. Uh, now, if they're looking at him as a quarterback coming from Ohio State, maybe I could consider that. How many great quarterbacks within the last 10 years have come out of Ohio State? Uh, Ohio State is used is what I'm used to seeing coming out of Ohio State are dynamic running backs, linemen, and receivers. So we're looking at Dwayne Haskins last year, Terrell Pot prior, uh, and there's another one. I even forgot his name. So when we start thinking about the black quarterbacks or quarterbacks in general coming out of Ohio State, I think that should be a more of the narrative as opposed to wow, why is Justin Fields not being considered because he has epilepsy? And now we have to put the other asterisk, oh, it's probably the black quarterback. So I hate what I hate seeing what I'm seeing because all year we heard about Trevor Lawrence, and there's a couple of games Trevor Lawrence could not even play. Trevor Lawrence and his team could not even make it to the championship game when they were already the favorite. So for him to be the golden boy from his freshman year and still make it to the pinnacle uh, this last season on his uh, as he leaves out and graduates becomes the first pick of the draft. Justin Fields took that same time and led his team to the championship game against Mac Jones, who is someone else they're talking about. So I think that, again, it's very unfair that he's uh, being um, uh, uh, his, his, he's being questioned. His his, uh, his work ethic and his health is being questioned. That, that That's a lot of money there. They're impacting on his bottom line. Yeah, Victor, you definitely dropped the mic on that one. And on that note, we will definitely revisit uh, the draft next week. We'll see um, what actually happened. And, you know, of course, there's all the willing and dealing that's done after the draft takes place. But we do have a league that is ramping up really close to the playoffs. And not just the playoffs, but the play in. And our team is still in it. So it's even more fun to talk about. So, Unc, what you got? What's going on with this NBA? Yeah, the rundown, uh, the play-in game, our thoughts on the play-in game. And Vic, I certainly want to get your opinion on the play-in game. So traditionally for you basketball fans out there and those who don't know, the seating is in, you have Western Conference and you have the Eastern Conference and the top eight teams traditionally would go to the playoffs. So now they're talking about the play-in games. Now you're adding in nine and 10, who ordinarily would not be getting ready for the playoffs, would be ready for Cancun or any other trip, vacation, if you will, summertime with the family. But so the play-in game now includes seven, eight, nine, and 10. The idea is exciting to me. I like it. I am in favor of it. Why? Because those other teams ordinarily would not be playing. They're playing for something, meaning making the season matter. And so they're scratching and clawing. And it, it and, and if you didn't place in the one through eight, then you're going to get a high lottery pick or a draft pick or a chance for a high draft pick. So um, I'm in favor. So how does it work? Seven is going to play eight. Nine is going to play 10. The winner of seven and eight is going to automatically get that seventh seed. The loser will play the winner of nine and 10. Okay, so there may be a couple of more games added to the season. I get it. 
But what's the, what's the what's the alternative? Going home? Most of us know your fame and your name is made in the playoffs, and this is an opportunity to brand yourself and your team. So I'm all in. I'm all for it. I'm glad we're not in the play-in game, but if we're not careful, if we don't handle our business, yes, we can easily slide down to the seventh seed. Right now, the Lakers, my team, currently we're, we're placing fifth. So before we go any further into the NBAs, I, I, Vic, I wanted to hear your thoughts on the, the play-in and the style of the play-in uh, tournament. I enjoy it. Again, you in the past, you get to the point where you're watching basketball and toward the end of the season, you already know teams 9 through 12 virtually don't, don't even put effort into the game. So to see 9 and 10 have an opportunity to still play, that's great. I also look at the fact that in the Eastern Conference versus the Western Conference, traditionally the Western Conference have been extremely competitive where teams 9 and 10 can still have above 500 records and not make it into the playoffs. So and then the Eastern Conference, you may have some of those teams on these 500 that are competing. So I think it definitely creates that buzz towards the end of the season. As they continue to move this, uh, continue to experiment, i like to see it even evolve even further, maybe in a couple of years, where they do take uh, 7 through 10 from the Eastern Conference and Western Conference and then really get the best records out of all of them. So even if the 7 and 9 and, and the 8 and 10 from the other conference, and they can all compete together and whoever has the best record. So now you have the teams with the best record representing in the in the uh, in the playoffs. But overall, I think the bubble last year is probably what led to the inspiration for having a playing game. Uh, because even last year, that created a level of buzz where you're watching some of these not so well performing teams that may have had a bad year, but they got hot at the right time. One of those teams, Portland Trailblazers. Who would have known how Damian Lillard would have led his team? amongst all the injuries, and really made a splash during the playoffs in the bubble. So to see this now incorporated into the league, it definitely creates a lot more excitement. That games I probably would not worry about for those lower seeds that would definitely pique my interest. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a fan. And it's it's been no secret. I really don't pay a ton of attention and as far as watching games, especially those that come on late at night um, or later being that I like a West Coast team. But Victor, you mentioned it. Typically those last few weeks of the season, if those seeds or if those records are pretty set, then those games can get kind of lackadaisical, right? The idea that there's still a chance ups that level of intensity and it, it's creating a better experience for the fans and the league as a whole, right? And uh, Victor, I like that idea too. We've talked about it for years in terms of really getting the best teams with the best records. And I like, you know, preserving the records just because you pay, uh, you play more teams in that conference. But then for those last few, those last six or eight, hey, let's just mix it up and, and, and let you guys play it out. And then if the Eastern Conference gets more representatives because they have stronger records, then that's fine. Versus if the Western Conference is doing better in a particular year, like, let's just go for it. I love the creativity. I love the design thinking and, you know, what can we do to improve and create a better product where at the end, we're going to see good basketball, which is what we want. So I'm all for it. If you're the sixth seed, Go ahead. you're definitely going to play a little bit harder too 
because you don't want to be the seventh seed. So now it realigns before you didn't want to be eight. But look, seven through eight, your job or your position is in jeopardy. So if I'm sixth seed, I'm really balling out. So I think that definitely creates a lot more buzz, energy, that somebody will be collateral damage. The owner, Mark Cuban, for the owner of the uh, Dallas Mavericks, he has most, he's been most outspoken about it. He's, they call him owner, I'm sorry, governors now. Uh, they voted on it. The, in a, the, the NBA Players Association, they voted on it. They agreed upon it. But now you want clapback? Come on, Mark. Oh, Mark, you happen to be the sixth seed. You might drop to the seventh. No wonder you don't like it, brother. Miss me with that. Come on now. Everybody else is, is, is digging it. Like my partner said, Dr. Herman just said, if you handle your business, you won't get to the seventh seed, but you need to play. You need to play a little bit harder. Guess what? Your team is playing better and playing harder. Specifically, Luka Doncic. He's an MVP candidate. So you guys just have to handle your business. Don't worry about what seed you're in. And then guess what? You need to win anyway. So miss me, brother. Gone. Yeah, it's totally right, Unc. I mean, if you're just looking at the records right now in the Eastern Conference, six seed is Boston Celtics, Miami Heat is the seventh seed, and the Charlotte Hornets are the eighth seed, all separated by one game. So if you're the sixth seed, Boston Celtics, and then you're looking at Charlotte Hornets, who's only one game behind you, you're going to play a lot, a lot more uh, competitive down the stretch. And Charlotte is definitely going to ball out because who wants to keep their head? Everyone wants to keep their head above water. So that's the six to eight. That's not even counting nine and ten. So, again, who really paid attention to below the belt, like the six to ten seeds throughout a playoff season? Well, I am now because there's some really competitive games down the stretch that causes me to really want to watch. Did you know that Brooklyn took over as the number one seed in the East? Now you're Philly. You've been you've been you've been. Uh, propping up Philly all season. Now they're the number two seed in the East. Brother, what you got to say about that? It's only a game and a half. You still got 10 games left in the season. <laughs> and, and so we're talking about Philly and the Nets. Do you realize that head-to-head, Philly took them out two games to one? And the, the, when they did lose the game against the Nets, it's like the first week of the season. So uh, the Nets need to do all they can to secure that first seed. They just don't want to meet them during the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not concerned. Doc Rivers in my trust. There's still 10 games left in the season. Nets still have injury challenges. The 76ers are extremely healthy. So I think it's going to be even greater going down the stretch to see how the team uh, taps into or, or how it all falls out. I'm going to tell you, in the East, the team that's playing the best right now are the Milwaukee Bucks. And I believe they're the third seed. But nobody wants to play Milwaukee. And I'm going to tell you why. They've got Giannis figured out. He's no longer bringing the ball up where you can form a wall. He's not getting those charges. They got him in the mid post and he's dangerous. He's passing out and hitting their wings. The best thing that happened to Milwaukee was Drew Holiday going up there. That takes Giannis off the ball. He doesn't have to handle the rock. He doesn't have to uh, uh, start the offense and put people in place. He just needs to go down to the mid post and handle his business. So it's going to be exciting out of the, out of the, man, just the playoffs in general. I'm hyped right now just even thinking about it. But we're still too weeks removed from the playoffs and I see your Sixers and I call your bucks. <laughs> I'm saying, <laughs> look, that second round in the Eastern conference will be nice. If the playoffs started today, there's going to be a battle for New York, Brooklyn Nets versus New York Knicks. And again, when was the last time the Knicks had a team? Look, 
I'm being honest. Yes, the Lakers are my diehard. You all know I lived in New York for a time period, and they became my second favorite team. So I, and my on my East Coast side of me, has been uh, uh, hurting not to have it, not to have a, a competitive Knicks team. So to watch them up and coming, they're like no names right now. Yet they are balling out. They had a nine game winning streak. So to see little brother versus big brother, little brother being Brooklyn Nets going against the New York Knicks for that second round if the playoffs starts today would be great. And then to your point, 76ers versus the Bucks, those dudes was balling out last week, and they don't like each other. So to watch Embiid and Giannis go at it, that I mean, who could be upset about those matchups for the second round, assuming they take care of business? So, And, and how often have we talked about the Easter Conference to this level of enthusiasm when you know our team resides in the West? But uh, just looking at the standings and how things can, can shape up the next two weeks, the Eastern Conference is going to be nice. And it really is a toss-up. But I'm still pulling the 76ers as my team secured the first seed. So it can't shake up. It's only, again, a game and a half out from first. And there's those injuries that uh, the Nets have to overcome when these games start getting more competitive the next week and a half. So, um, Ankh, you brought up the Milwaukee Bucks. And I want you to be right. But Giannis and the Bucks have let me down in the playoffs before. So all I'm going to say is I want you to be right. I hope that this game has evolved. I hope that when we get into the playoffs, it's going to be a different, um, a different outcome. Because I really do. I, I like Giannis. I like, I like Milwaukee. But I've, I've been let down. I've, I've been let down before. But um, I'm trusting you. So I'm going to watch them and I'm going to see how how this season progresses. And hopefully it'll be a different um, hopefully it'll be a different outcome for them. But that being said, it is that time, gentlemen, for us to close and, uh, you know, come back again next week. So my last comment is just have fun. (laughs) There's so much um, pain that um, exists. There's a lot of, you know, injustice that's in the world right now, but, you know, do what you can to find those spaces for joy, for happiness. If there's a video that that makes you laugh, watch it on repeat. If there's a game, you know, something that can take your mind away from all the craziness that's going on, give yourself permission to enjoy that because life can be hard sometimes, but you have to focus on what's positive. Victor, what you got? Sis, near and dear to your heart, of course, is uh, education, uh, in particular high school education. In two days is 30 April. On one May is considered National Decision Day. This is where all these hardworking high school seniors throughout the coronavirus who were really impacted because last year they were juniors, uh, they get to make the decision where they're going to spend the next four years of their life, where they're going to develop, become outstanding adults. And I have one of those. In fact, I have four of those. I say four because I have some adopted sons who are my, my son's best friends that I've watched grow over the last 10 years, uh, and I'm so excited. And to I give a shout-out to Don, 
who is a African-American high school male student graduating with a 3.9 GPA on his way to Virginia Tech. I have another one of my son's friends, black male student graduating with 3.7 on his way to Juilliard. Another friend of my son and my adopted son, Norvin West, graduating with a four point something something, full ride to Yale. Another, again, black male. And then my son graduating at 3.6 on his way to LSU. These are the young black men about to handle business. And I'm excited about them starting their, their new journey in life. I'm also reminded that we are still a people under attack. And so I encourage these young men to handle their business, understand who they are, who they represent, that they have a community. They have a village around them to support them. And I'm so proud of each one of them navigating these last four years of high school, what they had to witness with uh, being active in social activism and, and now being able to say, OK, what have they learned and now being able to apply that? I'm so excited for them. America, give these young men a chance. America, give all these young black men a chance. They're out there about to handle this thing. So, again, I love these young men. I'm so proud of them and I'm excited to be a part of their future and helping them succeed. And America, give them that opportunity. That's what I have. I'll simply follow up with just saying, Vic, thank you for sharing that. And thank you, Dr. Hoover, for being here today, facilitating and walking us through. I, my closing burn is just join us on a weekly basis. We want to thank you and welcome you. We want to hear what you have to say. Follow us on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us on Roku as, as well. Steve, to your family, Jania, Vic, signing out. And we'll see you next week. We're taking it to the house.